our pol- in the political system, there's not a right answer. Like, you can't get 100% on the test with our political system. It's impossible, you know. But you can follow Jesus. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Mark and Ryan. Um, we are going to do another episode this week. And ironically, we're exactly on our one month an episode or one episode a month timeline. <laughs> It works out almost perfectly. Yeah, it pretty much works out perfectly every time. It's, so. All the published dates are like within a couple of days of each yeah. other. It's kind of hilarious. So anyway, eh, life's busy. Um, so anyway, no, uh, Ryan and I are just going to sit down and talk about all the different things and things God's been teaching us or we've kind of discovered as we've been going about our walks and our lives and um, things God's been smacking upside, us upside the head with. So that's always a lot of fun for everyone else to listen to us be hurt. But, you know, <laughs> the Bible's offensive, right? Yes. <laughs> Don't I know it lately? <laughs> It's been hurting my feelings a lot. I don't know about you. Yeah. No, so, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it pretty no. much does every time you open it up in one uh, way or another. So. Yeah, if you if you're willing to read it through the eyes of the people who uh, wrote it and not try and put your own spin on things, it tends to hurt your feelings pretty bad. Yeah, it's true. So you had a verse you wanted to read to start off. So let's get right into it, dude. Yeah. So um, it's funny we were just we were literally just going through our like notes we had written down because we were like trying to the. We were trying to dissect what we like exactly we were going to talk about today, and I just came to a Bible verse I had written down with no context, and I was like, "Well, I have to see what I right. what I was talking about." Those are always about. fun, you know. Those are always fun. So anyway, here's the here it goes is um, and he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, because the power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, rather I will boast most gladly in my weakness, in order that the power of Christ may reside in me. Therefore, I delight in in weaknesses, in insults, in calamities, in persecutions, and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong." Yeah, so that was pretty much. I mean, that really wasn't where I wanted to go, right? <laughs> with this, because I, you know, it's not exactly the you know everyone's favorite thing to hear, right? Um, what passage you know, is that again? That's Second uh, Corinthians uh, ten nine or uh, twelve nine through ten. Yeah, that, and hey, you know how I made the comment that the Bible's offensive? Yeah, no, yeah, that hurt my feelings. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's it's kind of hard to swallow, right? Like. And maybe it's like a cultural thing for us. We're definite. Mm. It's definitely not like it's not cool to be weak in any way, right. shape, or form, or to rely on someone else, or to be really to be insulted or to be right. persecuted. Like the the qual like the the way of living in especially in America is like like the more comfort you have, the better off like the better off your life is. Right, like, exactly. The goal to, is to be as comfortable right. and as secure as possible. And to like and that makes sense in my brain, right? Right, exactly. Like that makes sense in our culture. And then you read the and then you read the Bible <laughs> and Jesus is basically saying the exact opposite of that, you know? Right, exactly. I mean in more than one case, I mean this is just like this is exactly you know Paul well, saying like when this, he says but, it is more blessed to give than receive. Yeah. We, we we like that. We think it's cool when we read it in the Bible, but there's no way we actually believe it and act right. on it because yeah. I mean it's one of those things where wait really like are you, are you sure it's more blessed yeah. to give than receive are you are really I don't know yeah I don't know I've received before and, and it's felt pretty good I've been given gifts before and I really enjoy that right. so I yeah no I, I feel you man it's it's really it's just interesting yeah um, that was the one of the many things God's wrecked me over the like, past couple of weeks with is like um to be completely transparent is the um, idolatry I have over money oh right yeah and it's that whole idea no, of like I'm, uh, as one pastor said, and I thought it was kind of funny because you would expect someone who says this to go into like a prosperity gospel, right? And he's like, do you want to live the blessed life? Do you want a blessed life? Then guess what? You know how the Bible says you live a blessed life is you give. Yeah. No. You give it away because it is more blessed to give than receive. Yeah. And it's even one of those things when it comes to tithing, right? It's like one of the things God, Jesus says to challenge him on. God says, challenge me on this and you'll find me faithful. Yeah. Like when you tithe, oh, yeah. when you honor God with your first fruits, 
Mm-hmm. No, I yeah, no, it's it, and that's that's just as hard to hear, right? Like you don't, no one wants to like, especially like you you feel like you earned your money and you want right. to keep it. I I get that. Um, and it, it's hard for me to give it away. Yeah, I, for I, sure. I try to be as generous. You know, I try to do a good job and be generous, and you know, try to try to help people out when I can and do this and that. But it's really easy to fall back into the trap of like. You know, you're like, oh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna save money this month. I'm gonna do a good job. I'm gonna be a good steward with God's right. money, and that's how it starts. Right. And exactly. soon, soon you devolve into the fact that you're like, oh yeah, so if I save this, and in a year and six, a year in sixteen days, I can buy a Tesla, right, and right, then right. like my house could double in size. And soon you're way down the rabbit yep. hole, and you're like, wait a minute, this started as a good thing, and it's just now fun. it's you know, it's funny. Um, in you know Jesus's teachings like there's a lot of stuff about how like money is evil and it's harder to enter the kingdom of God if you were you know if you're rich and yeah it's fun like you know maybe he was serious right about right that, maybe right? he was like, right well and it's even like you think about like guess what if you're listening to this podcast you're rich because you're able to listen to this podcast yeah you're rich by the world standards like I mean the fact that we can do this yeah right, right? exactly yeah so it's funny, the um, book I've been reading, I'm almost finished with the uh, the one that's called uh, What If Jesus Was Serious, which still might be my favorite book title name I've, I've read, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's a chapter on money, which made me, which again, hurt my feelings um, recently. And he says in this book, he says, money is an alluring master precisely because it provides the feeling and illusion of divine power. With money, we can control the world and conform it to our will. It allows mm-hmm. us to provide for our needs and desires, overcome scarcity, and manipulate those around us. Wealth can isolate us from those challenges that others face. Money can create opportunities for those who possess it that are unavailable to those without it. In other words, it's a very appealing alternative to trusting God. Yikes. Yeah. That's it. You know, when, when you read that, it makes it, you know, it makes, it kind of makes the point like it's like the root of it is like you is control. Like right. you want to have control and autonomy over your life. Exactly. Right? Well, it's like the the thing I heard said, like, God doesn't contem- condemn people for having money. Mm-hmm. There isn't condemnation. It's for the hoarding of it. It's for the idolatry of it. Yeah. It's for the turning it into a God, which that's why he makes the comment, it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go yeah. through the eye of a needle. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's possible, but it's very, very sure. difficult because it's easy for us as humans to turn that good thing into an idol right um one of the things that one of the quotes in the book was actually a quote from uh tim keller who says an idol is usually a good thing that we make ultimate (laughs) yeah and i think a lot of times kind of going back to the verse you read the whole idea of like persecution and um feeling oppressed and when we say i'm content with weakness insults we're not because we've turned certain things into the ultimate yeah. Our, our individualism has turned into an ultimate. Well, the Bible isn't about individualism. It's about oneness in Christ. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Well, in the 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 individuality thing once you know once it comes from comes from our American culture. Like that's the For reality sure. of it. It comes from you know, we're very hyper individualized in America and that's not always a bad thing, sure. but the adultery of individualization is a bad thing. It's like yeah. anything, it's like you said, too much of a good thing turns into a bad thing, right? Right. Well, he so. says in this chapter, what is your ultimate concern? What occupies your imagination, your daydreaming, and motivates your actions? Jesus warns us not to give the precious life-defining role of our treasure to anything or anyone unworthy of it. Mm. It belongs to God alone. Yeah. So the point is like, 
it can be anything. And then when those things are pushed against because they've turned into idols, it feels like persecution. persecution. It feels like oppression. Right. Just because they're things we've turned into ultimates. Yeah. Now, obviously there are people in that experience real oppression and oh, re- for sure. Like, for sure. We're no we're not talking about that no. realm of things. It's more um our Western culture who has it so good we don't understand it sometimes that when yeah. we get told, Hey, you need to wear a mask, we throw a fit because we have to wear this like one ounce piece of cloth on our face. Right. Like that's not oppression. <laughs> no, I you know, I, I I don't know if I've said this before on here, but I, I just with the whole massing, I just find it hard to believe from what I've read about Jesus in the Bible that he, that that he would be anti-mask. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Like it just maybe I'm wrong. I I don't think I am. And and anyone that's try that tries to pull the thing about the temple and the tax collector is completely different. Yeah, and right. I don't want to get into it right now, but that's not at it. That's you can't use that. It's not a good argument. Right, exactly. Um, well, it comes down to like even with the Sermon on the Mount. I know so. For those of you who don't know, Ryan has been doing this thing where, what, you've been reading the Sermon on the Mount every day, every night or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I try to do it. So I, I right now I've settled in on probably I read it twice a week. Nice. Or I read it through, through it two times a week. So I read a chapter from the Sermon on the Mount almost every night. Nice. Sometimes I get too tired, so I just go to bed. I feel that it happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I would imagine the nights you're at the fire station probably are, or the day after you're probably. Yeah, or the white. day the, the day after. <laughs> I, I really, you know, I really try hard to read read it. Um, most night, you know, along with whatever plan I'm going sure. to read in the Bible. Um, but yeah, no, the sermon on the Mount, the sermon on the Mount, The reason I decided to read, um, try to read it every night is because the way it's been explained is it's like it's like the Jesus's manifest manifesto for right. how to live life right? right and so when I, like when you think about it that way it's like well why wouldn't i just read this all the time so i just become right. more like jesus like right. if if i read this in, enough eventually i'm gonna like be thinking about it, like oh that you know that doesn't really check out with the sermon on the mount and it's true like there's so much stuff in there that as you reread it and reread it um that applies to your everyday life that you don't realize right, and exactly. then you're sitting there and you're like oh yeah i shouldn't do that you know or I shouldn't do this and um it's been really good for me i think the biggest one has been like like Anger, anger and stuff like that where For I, sure. I didn't realize how angry I got hmm. every day about like this the dumbest things until I started reading the Sermon on the Mount and it was like oh my gosh I'm really out of control sometimes so <laughs> right for sure anyway so in this book again the whole idea between the what if Jesus was serious is he's actually breaking down different parts of the Sermon on the Mount sure. which is really cool yeah so one of the and I know I'm going all quota here but you know sometimes I don't have eloquent words and other people do so it's <laughs> beneficial for you to hear other people oh, yeah, because bad, bad. as as I heard one pastor say sometimes us pastors read so many books so you don't have to yeah <laughs> so we can help you see why you yeah. should read some books so he says Jesus taught us to pray. So talking about the Lord's Prayer. Sure. Jesus taught us to pray by addressing God as our Father. The Lord's Prayer is not a private prayer. Nowhere do the pronouns I, me, or my appear here. Only our and us. The prayer of Jesus assumes that we are connected, that we are part of a community. Individualism is a foundation of Western culture. In our minds, independence not only means freedom from oppression, but freedom from other people altogether. This is an American value, but it is not part of Jesus's teaching. But it's again, yeah. our individualism that we get in America which, and in the West, which isn't a bad, bad thing. thing has turned into an ultimate. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. It has. I mean, 
Okay, ba- basically, I think the reality of that quote, right? Like you talk about like our individualization, right? And and it's true. We are like we're really into that. Not a bad thing. Look at um, social media. Look at social media. Um, and uh, I mean that I think honestly, if you look at social media now from three four years oh ago, gosh. it's drastically changed. So different. And it's actually I think more controlling, more controlling, and more restricting. As we actually have gotten more freedom, it becomes yep. more restricting. It's funny right? how that happens. Um, it it has more control and autonomy over your life than I you would than you would imagine. And trust you know how I know because I have an hour timer on my phone. <laughs> right. And every time the hour comes up, I want to die. Yep. It's horrible, you know. And but that all that to say, I you I think that this last year, especially with COVID and all the political Being stuff stuck at home too. Um, from both sides, yep. both sides are wrong. But it's very obvious that like there are individualization has become an idol in our country. I mean, for sure, it's 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 you know, and I I think I'm just as guilty of it probably as anyone else. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get rid of that in my sure. own, own life, but it's not not easy. But it's you can just see it, um, and especially in conservative church culture, mm-hmm. I think is probably the most guilty of it. As yeah. someone who grew up in that, or is to an extent is part of that, like it's I would say that that is probably the most guilty party in right. you know in idolizing individualization. Yeah, right. Is well, that and fair? the thing is, like you have idolization of things on both sides of the street. You and I have firsthand experience of the conservative side of things because we would tend to land, if you're looking at the political spectrum, you and I would probably land more conservative than we would progressive or liberal. That just yeah, because, of, yeah. because of what politics have become in our country, yeah. that, that's the reality of it. Um, as, as, the, as a pastor and teacher said, um, I am uh, politically bipolar because <laughs> there is yeah. no home for someone who thinks that we should take care of the planet and also care for the unborn. There's not, you know, there, there's not, right. you yeah. have to pick a side and I think it's ridiculous and I don't. Yeah. And that's fair. I, that's, it's pretty wise, honestly. And, you know, I think a lot of people would disagree with that. Um, they For know sure. you have to pick a side and that's fine. I, I'm good with that. You know, um, I don't think that necessarily, you know, here's the thing though. If you pick a side, someone else can, and it can be something that isn't yours and you have to be willing to let that go that they can come to a different conclusion reading the right. same, reading the same thing. Yeah. Um, is that fair? Yeah, like, for sure. You know, what's well, funny? Um, so okay, so can I say yeah, one more yeah, thing? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I was just thinking about about this the other day, um, and it's it's really interesting. And let me just clarify that like abortion and the killing of our babies is absolutely sinful and horrible. Yeah, it's um, And we taught, and you know, and then like you have the conversation about how like, well, you know, you can't choose between that and taking care of the earth. And I had this thought the other day where I was talking, thinking about taking care of the earth. And I was like, did God not create that too? Like we talk about that, like that's a life and God created that, but did God not create the earth as well? And in Genesis 1-1, he told us to care for it. Yeah. He told us to be good stewards for the earth. Like that's a calling of ours as well. So when, you know, it's hard, like you can't draw a line in the sand and be like, well, I, I can vote for this and not this. Well, but not if you, not if you worship Jesus, you, right? you know. And it's one of those things where it's like, side note, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just going to be offensive today. I had no idea, but <laughs> you woke up and chose violence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is wrong, which is wrong. <laughs> Biblically violence is, is wrong. It's We've wrong. had this discussion, Yes, but it's that whole idea, right? Like if Jesus was serious, we don't fit into a political party. We don't. And we can't cram Jesus into one either. And that's uncomfortable in a country, in a world where you have to pick a side. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of those things where it's like Jesus created both, loves both, cares for both, Mm -hmm. commanded us to care for both. So how do you reconcile with that? 
and that's up to you. That's between you and God. Yeah. I and can't I can't make that decision you know, for you. In in our pol- in the political system, there's not a right answer. Correct. Like you can't get 100% on the test with our political system. It's impossible. Correct. You know, but you can follow Jesus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's funny our uh, worship pastor at my church um shared this quote from uh, Jeremy Riddle who's a um musician and I mean a lot of people have probably heard his music and stuff and I thought it was really powerful. He said, I've begun to wonder if the gross empowerment and elevation of personal opinion on social media has really deluded us into thinking that our opinions hold any weight against the word of God. I wonder if we've been so distrained by a democratic consumer driven society that we have forgotten that the kingdom of God is not a democracy, but a theocracy, (laughs) a government which in his word and his word alone stands. We must return to our senses and know this. When it comes to the word of God, the online uproar and outcry of seething, opinionated objections and dissenting votes has absolutely zero weight. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying that our voice doesn't matter to God. I'm simply reminding us dissenting against his voice is absolute folly. <laughs> and I think oh, isn't the truth, it, it's man. so it's so interesting because I mean, I. I saw someone on Twitter posted this thing and Twitter is a dangerous place for me because I can get really irritated really quickly because it's, oh, you, you, get, you, you get a superiority get, complex, you, uh, right? Well, you can get sucked into the vortex so fast. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worth, you think the YouTube algorithm is bad? Go, go be on Twitter. Actually, no, don't, don't go be on Twitter. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Yeah. Um, unless all you do is follow theologians and um, those kind of people, you're going to have a bad time. You're going to mm-hmm. get angry. But someone said that honestly, and with, even in today's, you could follow theologians and still get mad pretty easily. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, so this person said that Christianity is dying, and I sat there and and thought that is the single most privileged comment I have read today. Because no, Christianity Christianity is not dying. Western political, individualistic Christianity is dying. If you go to Iran, you go to China, you go all around the world to where people are being persecuted and it's illegal to have church, Mm -hmm. guess what? It's exploding. It's exploding. Because they're following Jesus. What's dying is our perversion and distortion of Christianity. That's what's being destroyed. That's what's dying. And guess what? It should die. Because it's not Jesus. Yeah. And I know now, that's... Now, now, and to clarify... There, there are parts there of Jesus. There are parts of Jesus, yes, for absolutely. Sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is it is a it is a perversion of following Jesus. I would 100% agree. And, and it's offensive I, yeah. because that's our comfortability. That's our comfort zone. Um, so I say that, and I say that passionately because I'm passionate about following Jesus yeah, no, I, 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 who is a person of color from the Middle East two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. who lived under Roman rule as a Jewish man. Um, that meant he wasn't the um, majority. He he was in the minority, and he came from you know arguably the poorest part of. Right. That area, that area, you know, that like the the place that you know they talk about when Peter, you know, when they recognize him by his like by his voice as being from Jesus, it's it's because right. they the people from that part that part of Galilee had a specific accent, and when they say that, it was more like it was more derogatory because he you know he grew up in the poorest portion of, um, I guess Israel for lack of a better term because sure. I'm not smart enough to know I guess, um, 
under Roman oppression. Right, I mean, exactly. like he grew up. Like, he, he, the exactly. Bible was written for the oppressed, not the privileged. That's exactly. the, the gist of where I think we're going with this. Well, it's right? the whole idea that the Bible was written by poor, marginalized people. And I know that saying that they're people of color will get me pushback, but the people of color has been coined by people in America to say people who are African-American or dark-skinned, and I don't disagree, but it's also a universal term that they're not white like me. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's fair. So the Bible was not written by a white dude like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, when I read my Bible and I tell the Bible to say stuff that it doesn't say about truth and reality or sexuality for that matter, When I tell the poor voices in scripture, the marginalized voices in scripture, the oppressed voices in scripture that wrote it, that they need to shut up and take my Western ideals, that's theological colonialism. No, yeah. And I struggle with this because we read the Bible through the lens of our culture. And there's, to be genuinely honest, I don't think there's a whole lot you can do about that. Like, that's a thing that happens when you read the Bible. And that's okay. But you also need to understand the context from which it came from. And if you don't understand that, you're going to read some pretty whack theology into it. You're going to say things like, well, Jesus would have voted for this president. I'm going to argue he probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Or we don't even know Jesus if likes my opinion. Uh, well, does it, is it, is it biblical? Like completely? Yeah. Then probably not. That's actually an interesting. That's actually an interesting conversation that maybe we can have some because it makes you wonder if Jesus would have even voted. Right. You know, I I think that like a, a lot of churches would peddle that he would have voted and voted a certain way. Yeah. But it like I wonder like if he really would have even taken part in the part of it. For sure. I know he he would have paid taxes. He would have done all those things. But yeah. I, would he have been part of the voting? I don't know. That's it, that's an interesting conversation. Right. To have, right? And it's one yeah. of those things where it's like I do believe that we should like help where we have the opportunity to help influence our culture yeah. and our, and our country and where we live. Like that's beneficial. Like I would prefer not to have to pay more taxes when I don't need to <laughs> for silly things like a freeway that still isn't done yet and probably won't be while I'm still alive. Um, if you don't live in Spokane, this is an inside joke that you won't understand, but there is a freeway that was started being built before I was born and it's still not done. I don't even think it's halfway done yet. I don't even know if it started. I mean, it has kind of, but kind of, but it's yeah. This anyway. is completely beside the point. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So anyway, again, <laughs> as as the meme goes, we woke up today and chose violence, and I don't think that we chose violence, but there's a certain Still wrong, point. wrong, by the way. Just to clarify. Oh, very much so. <laughs> but I think there's a, there's a certain point where our comfortabilities have to be disturbed for us to follow Jesus. We, you can't, you cannot be comfortable. Jesus didn't have a home. He didn't have a place to lay his head. Yeah, I mean, he's homeless. I mean, there's yeah, it's true. So we talk we talk about the the Sermon on the Mount and and a lot of those teachings in there and like you can't be comfortable and try to follow right, those exactly. things. Right, like, exactly. just it's it's so wildly radical. Yeah, which is what's so cool about exactly. it. I you know like Jesus is so cool, man. Yeah. He really is. Um, so this is just one thing I had written down. It's like a thing about the Sermon on the Mount is we I don't know I don't know if we'll wrap this up or where we're going to go after this or not. Yeah. But um, so one thing I've really noticed about the Sermon on the Mount, and this is maybe an overgeneralization, but the basically you know what I'm starting to learn is that the Sermon on the Mount is a lot of like this is how you should treat people, mm-hmm. um, this is how you should act, this is how you should treat people, and really it doesn't have a lot to do with you personally, but it has a lot to do with how you should treat people personally, mm-hmm. if which that makes then sense. inherently affects you personally. Yeah. So, for 
instance here, like Matthew seven twelve. I just wrote this on the other day. So it says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Right. Right. And if you read the law and the prophets, a lot of the language in there is about taking care of the oppressed, taking mm-hmm. care of the needy, taking care of the widows, taking care of people that need to be taken care of. Right. But not a lot about taking care of yourself. Right. Exactly. One, it's funny, like, look, like Israel was largely the smallest um, country in the Old Testament or surrounded by the people around it. Um, Wasn't the most wealthy, except for when like Solomon was there, but that went downhill quickly. My point is, is that every time Israel like got sent into exile and destroyed, they became the people that got it casted out. They became a Babylon, for yeah. lack of a better term. And whenever they became a Babylon, guess what happened? They got judged. It is funny too, because like as we bring this, like we've been to seven talk about it, like especially the politics and church, you're like, I really don't want to talk about this. Right. I really don't because it's it can be contributors really in, like, but it I can be really just, divisive too. I just feel like I need to. Yeah, for sure. That's just the reality, you know. And not to say that I'm right. I don't think I'm right about everything. I really don't. But. I just feel that like I need to say it. Well, it's like one of, one of our favorite pastors to listen to said in a sermon a couple weeks ago, we are not a conservative church. We are not a progressive church or a liberal church. We are a Jesus church. Yeah. Because there's a difference. There's a huge, and it's going to be really difficult, but it's the point of, they will know you by your fruits Mm -hmm. and your love for one of another. Um, A lot of times the church in the West is not super loving. And I'm a hundred percent guilty of that. Oh yeah, I, I can be super judgmental. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really easy to fall down, go down that road, you know. And well, and it's it, when it comes to like social media, like, I mean, we've made this comment dozens of times. Like, I, I honestly think, and I'm still wrestling through what I need, what I should do with social media, and I think it's a personal decision. But I think social media is inherently evil because all it does is create um, comparison and envy jealousy and addiction yeah no we're addicted to our devices yeah i mean yeah when you put it that way yeah you're right and i think that the my struggle is i genuinely believe that you can use social media for good but i would take a guess that when it comes down to the algorithms and things like that the things that are good probably get pushed down yeah that's fair you don't see good things come across your newsfeed very often usually you see things that provoke you like these people and these people that work for these companies, their job is to write algorithms that learn about you and push things at you that will enrage you. And then they make money off your rage. That, that's, that's their job. Mm-hmm. Because like, yeah, if you're enraged, you're, you're, you're going to stay on there. You're going to yep. be more you're gonna active. Find something else. You're going to yeah, see more you're, ads you're because you're looking searching. at other things. The other thing that's interesting about social media and that's, that's, that's dangerous too, is that, you know, but like before you kind of drew your opinion from like the, the culture or the group of people, you yeah, know, your, your, your group, social life, your real group, life, social the, life, the group identity that yes. you yes. Were, are a part of, that's where you drew your opinions and information from. And the, the thing that's scary and the thing that inter- that's interesting about social media, especially in like a Christian perspective is that like, you know, say you're struggling with your faith or you're struggling, you know, you're struggling with your faith or you have questions, right? Well, now you can go on social media, search a hashtag, and now you can find a thousand other people right. 
And that's, I mean, that's a low number probably that that can th- that are worrying and thinking the same way as you are, and pretty soon you're sucked into the vortex, and right. now you now you know now you're post Christian. It's crazy. You well, know? it's like you and I listened to a podcast with a professor who said one of the first things he has his students do is go Google PhDs who believe the Holocaust didn't happen, <laughs> and guess what they find? A lot of PhDs who think the Holocaust didn't happen, and his point was there are a lot of people with a lot of letters behind their names are really dumb <laughs> right like I, can i just say if for anyone that really wants to listen to someone, listen to someone who is very smart oh, very yeah. great to listen to aj swoboda the guy is amazing oh my gosh it's, he's so good yeah just, you have to go find the podcast he's on because he he doesn't have one but my but goodness the, the man is he's so good and just loves jesus and it's really in any way anyway that, so he's he's where a lot of these quotes come from right I'm just going to preface this with the same story he told because I thought it was so powerful. Like, again, I know that we've been, I wouldn't say aggressive, but we, we've we kind of taken the little boundary line that we, we kind of have inherently quietly had with each other of like, we're not going to push the envelope too much. We've kind of pushed it a little bit, which I actually appreciate because he basically told a story of the University of Arizona. They built this biodome to just test plants and figure things out and all that fun stuff, right? So they planted these trees and they grew roots and grew up really, really quickly, but then they would just fall over and you could like push them over, but they had like roots and they weren't like shallow roots either. They were just like, they had roots, but they couldn't figure out why they just fell over. Right. Well, then it dawned on someone that in a biodome, there's no wind. There's nothing pushing against or testing or challenging or creating resistance in these trees. So they never, they when they first were presented with something that pushes on them, then they just fall over. Mm-hmm. They've never built up a strength. And I think that's a lot of what um, happens to a lot of Christians, honestly, is the reason we get frustrated and angry when we hear things that challenge our the things that we hold to be true that are not not the key truths, right? Not the key truths of the Bible that Jesus is king, that God created the world, that Jesus died on the on the cross for our sins, that he's coming back. Like these things are key truths. Yeah. That are the foundations of our faith, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those absolutely. are not things I invite conversation like debate over because Yeah, if someone says one of like one of those things isn't true, well like you're we don't believe the same thing. Correct. And then we can't have then we can't have an argument because we don't agree on right. the base. We can have a different doing. discussion. Yeah. But we can't have a disagreement on that trying to come from the same spot because honestly, to be a Christian, you have to believe those things are true. Um, yeah. So the, the, that's just my opinion. And I think it's right. So, <laughs> but it's just that idea, right? Like those are key health beliefs. But I think that the reason we get angry and respond the way we do when we have things that we have sanctified mm-hmm. where as my pastor has said multiple times like we sanctify our preferences is when we sanctify our preferences and then those preferences get challenged and we get angry is because we don't necessarily have we never grew the roots to figure out how to respond to those or even deal with them or it pokes it pokes points out that we have cracks because they don't align with the bible they don't align with what jesus said and now we don't know what to do with them so we just outrage Yes, you know, we live in outrage culture. The other side of it is you have people who just walk away from the faith because of those things because they don't know what to do and they're just like, well, this is stupid, it's wrong, it's dumb. Mm-hmm. And again, AJ Swoboda made the made the comment, we treat youth groups and churches as places we go to find out why we're already right, but we rarely go to church to be introduced to the difficulties of faith. And honestly, 
I genuinely think that part of the reason we're kind of being a little more um, blunt in this podcast is because I feel like the church in the West has lost that for a vast majority is, is the church becomes confirmation bias. We, yeah. we tell people what they already want to hear, or we tell people things that make them feel good. Well, as you and I discussed, when you read the Bible, the Bible doesn't tend to make you feel very good. Like it may make me feel good in the sense that I know I'm saved and I know that um, I'll have a resurrection body and that while I die on this earth, until the reign of Jesus, I will be in heaven mm-hmm. yeah. and in paradise. That I, in paradise and that I will reign with him forever. Like those are, make me feel good, but also to get there, I have to die. So that doesn't make me feel good because <laughs> we do everything we can to not die. So the reason I say, we say these things is because I feel like we've been not necessarily from the, not necessarily blatantly, but we've missed the challenges of faith because it's hard. So yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's just tough, right? I'm starting to get frustrated because I see issues around the world and I see issues with things that I see and I want to point them out, but pointing out issues doesn't really fix the thing. Mm-hmm. But I hope that just what we've said has challenged you just a little bit to go check what the Bible actually has to say. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah, no, I, 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 I would agree. I would agree as well. Um, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Where the um, guy was talking about a subject that was. It was like it's called theology in the raw. I mean, it was like it's like it's a pretty con- raw. It's it, it is raw. It's, it was a controversial sub subject, right? Right. And he and he gave like the, the views on something, and then like what his view was, and right. he was like, "Listen, like this is what I think, but don't just take what I say at face value. Like here are the verses right. that I got this from. Read it for yourself." Make your own interpretation of it, you know, yeah. uh, and I, I think that's as important as anything else. Right. We um, have to. We have to have the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that you and I have both been kind of going through lately is the whole idea of silence and solitude. Oh yeah. Which a lot comes from I, the reason I think it's difficult is because we live in a world inundated by social media and constant attention. Mm-hmm. And if anyone has ever tried to sit in silence for any period of time and not dwell on certain things you realize how difficult it is. And honestly, sometimes how scary it is because you're, for lack of better terms, your true self tends to present itself because you're in silence yeah. and you're not allowing distractions. Yeah. yeah you're in silence, no distractions. And then like you, the voice, you start hearing your own voice inside of your head and maybe you don't like it, you know, or whatever, whatever the right. situation might be. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that idea that, uh, n- as someone put it, noise is medication. <laughs> yeah we self-medicate with more noise i do i i definitely do like it's very difficult for me to do things without having something going on in the background um or i have to have some podcast going which i tend to justify because I, i'm honestly like 99 percent of the time i'm listening to something on theology trying to learn learn about the bible learn more about the bible yeah. so i'm like well it's good i'm listening to biblical things but i'm never sitting in silence mm-hmm. yeah no i i i would agree with you and it's it's really really hard to sit in silence, man. And um, even like you can pray, like even the idea of praying in silence, which mm-hmm. is a thing. Yeah, for sure. You can sit and pray in silence, and and you can be in your own head, and you can be, you know, you can be, you know, I, I guess it would be meditation, technically not evil, just to let everyone right. know that's not bad. You can do that if you want a more Christian-y word, contemplation. Contemplation works. Yeah, that works too. Um, but it's really hard. It is, and it's. Especially, you know, 
especially like when you live with someone else, it's mm-hmm. almost it's it's almost impossible because right. there's always something that you're going to talk about sure. or this and that. And, and as you get older, you have more responsibilities, more responsibility, more things to do. You don't want to it's really hard, but the times when you can sit down and you can, you know, have your silence and solitude, like you always come out of it feeling refreshed. It's funny. Um, I was I was ironically talking to my wife about this today and how um, like I was just sitting there and I'd been reading and then I just kind of was sitting there and I wasn't doing anything. I didn't mm-hmm. really know what to do. I was just hanging out, you know. Right. Um, because your wife has a lot of schoolwork. Yeah, right? she has a lot of schoolwork, and you know, I don't I don't want to be mean and just go like do stuff all the time and right. have her just you know that's that sucks. Right. Um, you know, but. So I'm just sitting there, and, and I just made the comment, and it's funny because me and Mark had no idea that we were going to talk about this, um, but I just made the comment. I was like, man, it is really hard just to sit here, like, mm-hmm. in silence, you know? And she just, it was, it's kind of off the cuff we were talking about it, and, and she her, her she said something that her her mom used to say, and it's, it's actually, it's very simple, but it's very wise, and she said her mom used to just say, like, if you want to rest, like, get off your phone. Yeah, right. She used to say that all the time, and it's, it's like, you never want to hear it, especially when you're a teenager. Right. But, like, it's so true. Yes. It's so true because when you have that phone with you all the like all the time, like your mind is never shut off. You're always constantly thinking about something or wanting to do something or getting a notification or right. getting an email. Anyway. Oh, when I look at the no- notifications I get per day, it's horrifying. Yeah. I turned off my email notifications because 98% of them I don't need. Yeah. Uh, since I, yeah, my you work kind of relies on email, so I can't do that. I do that for some of my emails, but not all of them. And I yeah. really need to go thin that out. I mean, even this week I like, put a timer on my like you said earlier like you have a timer a time limit for like social media and stuff well i finally put a time limit on my instagram and my twitter because i get lost in those um not to say i don't in other things i just found an excuse not to put a timer on other things <laughs> for right now um because that's where i'm living right now mm. um but i mean it's i i a lot of times when i think about the whole silence and solitude thing i go back when you're thinking about um i think it's jeremiah and he, um, or no, it's, um, Elijah and he, um, just defeats all the, um, he defeats, um, God defeats the prophets of Baal and embarrasses yes. them. Um, but he mocks them and makes fun of them. And it's like the most relatable moment in history when he makes fun of Baal. It's fantastic. And then he, he's like on this high mountain, he's super pumped. And then Jezebel's like, I'm going to kill you. Right. And he runs away and goes and hides the cave and is like super depressed. So if you ever want to know if it's okay, to, if it's like normal for a Christian to be depressed, see Elijah um, and probably a lot of other people in the Bible. But anyway, so he's praying to God all like he's super depressed and he's praying and God finally speaks to him, but it goes through a couple things and it says um, a fierce windstorm came up, but God wasn't in the wind and all these different things. Right. And then it says that God was there in a whisper in a quiet whisper well, guess what? You can't hear a whisper. If you've ever tried to like whisper something to someone in like a crowd of people, it's COVID. So there aren't crowds of people, um, before COVID, uh, if you were like at a basketball game and we're trying to whisper something to someone or even just talk normally, mm-hmm. your point's not going to get across. You have to be in a quiet place to hear a whisper. Like when a little kid's whispering yeah. to you, you can't, you can't have ambient noise going on from around the world. You have to be attentive and quiet. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because, Partially, I, I find that story, that part about uh, Elijah really interesting because like God showed up in all the ways that all the um, pagan gods would be known for, like the God of the, the of wind and fire and all these things. But God wasn't in it because that's not who Yahweh is. But he showed up in a whisper and he spoke to him. But I also think of it in the sense of exactly this, of you have to be in quiet to hear from Christ and hear from Jesus. 
And I think it's true. And I think especially in a culture where everything is just constant, go, 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 go. I, I think there was a status hearing that um, the average person picks up their phone like 2,000 times a day. You tell me we're not distracted. Like 2,000 times in a day, that's a ton. So we live in a culture that's just all about distraction and distracting ourselves from pain or discomfort or things we don't like. And we wonder why we don't hear God. And it's uncomfortable at first to sit in silence. But as a believer, I think that's like the most important thing that we've lost in the 21st century, even the 20th century. Like we've lost that ability to sit quietly before Jesus, not get distracted, not let our mind run circles, but just sit at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, and it's it's so counterintuitive to us because and at least I know I'm guilty of this, like, sure. especially with science and solitude and like you're reading your Bible and taking that time. Like, and, and I know it's, it's a good thing for me and all these different things, but a lot of times I, and I know I do this where it's like, okay, I can, I need to get, I can need to get this done so that I can start right. my day. Exactly. Right. And it's, which is a bad mindset because that, that's how you should start your day every day. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But like for a lot of times. For those of you who have tried it, it tends to be a better day when you start your day with Jesus. Yeah, we, and we, we don't, we, you know, we don't think of our, start of our day as reading our Bible, we think of it as after. Right, exactly. Right? Um, and, and anyway, I, um, like I said, it's just, it, it's just really counterintuitive to sit there in silence. Um, it's really, it's really challenging. I, I've tried it a bunch of different times. I've failed a bunch of different times. I will continue to try. Maybe eventually I'll get it right. Maybe I won't. Um. But I have to think that that it's something that Jesus talked about and did all the time. For sure. And so if that's the case, then I think it's probably something that I have to do too. Yeah. Or at least work on, you know. Maybe yeah. I'll never get it perfectly right. But I, I think about it. I was this, 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 like, it's like, you know, God didn't call us to necessarily be right. He called us to be faithful. Yes. Right. And so I think that, you know, if you, if you faithfully continue to try to do thing do things that are his way, like mm-hmm. that will work out well for you in the end. For sure. Um, one of the things I think of is when he says, um, basically it's like, be like little children. Yeah. And then you think about in the gospels when the little children like run up to Jesus, like, you know how little kids are, they're at your feet. Yeah. They're before you, there. yeah, before you can stop them, they're already they're at zooming around. Or... So it's even that idea, like sitting at the feet of Jesus, is it's that childlike faith of going up and sitting at his feet and listening to him. Like when you talk to a little kid, I mean, I know that most little kids, especially nowadays, are just so all over the place they can't focus. Yeah. But I remember that when I was when I was a little kid, like when someone who's older than me, or was like I looked up to, was talking to me they had my full attention yeah. because it was just like, wow, this person's talking to me. Like, this is so cool. Sure. And it's that idea of like sitting at the feet of Jesus and just listening. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not saying it's easy and you're not going to succeed and you're not going to be perfect at it. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things that we, we consume ourselves with getting more for ourselves, working more hours, working more jobs, wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. Yeah. Instead of wanting more of Jesus and just sitting at his feet. And sometimes that takes sacrificing things that are cool that we like, like video games or movies or sitting in front of Netflix or whatever. Yeah. But I would ask you what's more important. You're mm-hmm. two hours in front of Netflix watching and binging a show or. Which, and sometimes that's and great. And sometimes it's helpful. And that's, and that's, honestly. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently. But the idea is like, where, where do you place your value? Yeah. 
and what's important. It's funny. It's like I'm sure this came to mind in your mind too as you talk about that. It's like that story with with Martha and Martha and Mary, right? Right. Where exactly. Where um, Martha is running around and she's trying to get the house ready because there's there's guests over. Yeah. Right? There's there's people here. There's people here, and so and Mary. I assume you know it doesn't delve into it, but I assume Mary was at one point helping, and right. then Jesus got there and started talking, and she was just like, okay, well, I'm actually going to listen to Jesus. Right. Now. Exactly. Which um and and Martha was so upset, and I just. Like I feel you, Martha. Right, I exactly. Because I, I would, I would be like, "Are you?" As I'd be someone like, who goes, 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 I would be like, "Are you, nuts? Are you kidding yeah, me right exactly. now?" And she just, justifiably so, thinks she's in the right when she's like, "Jesus, like, come on, man, like, how are you letting her do this?" And you know, I could just, you know, I just picture it being like, "Martha, I understand, but like, you're just, you're missing the point." Right. I um, love, I love his comment of Mary has chosen the better. Thing. Mm-hmm. And not, I think a lot of this comes down to not to lo- say that work is bad, correct? Because it is not. It there's is not. A, there's a whole theology of work thing that we we don't need, we are probably aren't going to get into today. Exactly. The thing with a lot of things that we've talked about tonight, yeah, is it comes down to the fact that we all pick and choose from the Bible. Oh yeah. And the thing is, a lot of times we're not honest with ourselves that we do. Mm-hmm. I think it Absolutely. starts with us just admitting that we all pick and choose. Yeah. We pick the part that it's, it's like, oh, we pick the part where we make fun of Martha. Yeah. Even though we are, even though that's who it is. But we never, yeah. we, but we choose to ignore the part where Jesus says, sitting at his feet, not doing anything mm-hmm. was the better way. Yeah. Well, it's like the same thing. It's like you, you read the, you read about Jesus returning and like, it's really easy to make fun of Thomas. Right but not realizing that you're him multiple right. times throughout the week, right? Exactly. Like, it's easy to be like, oh, I can't believe I would have never done that. My guess is I probably would have been just like that. Yeah. I mean, I probably um, wouldn't have shown up back up to the next and, prayer meeting. Well, and like, yeah, that's the thing. And like, the cool part about that, and we, we've heard obviously this before, but like the cool thing about that is like, yeah, yes, Thomas doubted, but if you look at the history of what Thomas did after Jesus came right. back, like he didn't doubt anymore. Right. And he came back yeah, exactly. to what he, he came back to have a full belief in him. So, right. you know, maybe he didn't initially handle it like all the other believers, but in the end, like he, he grew more out of it, I guess. Yeah. It, I guess that's, you know, you talk about like we pick and choose. Um, and it was something I was reading this in C.S. Lewis, it's mere Christianity, which is an older book, obviously. Right. But it's still so good. It's so good. And I, I've been, you know, I've been reading through it cause I thought, I thought it was interesting. Like it's like the, the way the book is described, it's like, it's like a simple way of just describe, like, like this is why I chose Christianity for it. Like C.S. Lewis was an atheist that right. converted Christianity and wrote a book about why basically right. that's this. Well, it was a series of conversations right. that, were put into book form for sure. Anyway, when you talk about like picking and choosing what you want from the Bible, he, and he talks about this all the time and it's where it's like the reality of that is, is like you can, you can dance around and call it whatever you want, but like, it's just the initial sin of the <laughs> first people on earth yep. trying to make good and evil in their own terms. Yep. Right. You're, you're not, you're picking and choosing and you're making your own perspective you're making God in your own image. Thank you. Well, yes. so I, I don't remember who said it. It was the whole comment. I thought it was just genius. He said, God made us in his image and we did him, we, we in turn did him the favor of making him in ours. <laughs> so good, man. Because that's oh, what we so do. Good. We do it every, all the time. We, we look at the Bible all and say, the time, man. It's we're so gonna, good. well, God's like this. 
And it's like, well, but, but the Bible says he's not. Yeah. But it's, it's that whole idea. It's like, that's, that is the carnal sin of man is that we make God in our own image. Yeah. And then follow that instead of Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, man, no, I mean, it's been a good conversation. Yeah. It's been awesome. man. can I, can I just close with like a, like one little sermon? Yeah, dude. Um, I think this will pretty much, and I'm sure, I think Mark will agree with me. Um, More than likely. (laughs) We tend to agree on a lot of things. Um, It'll be interesting if we ever don't. Um, (laughs) This is something that's been running through my mind. um, And it's an adaptation of a quote I heard where the, 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 you know, I I think that to sum this up how for me and Mark, um, I'll just put it in two ways. Um, The original quote was like, one group of people is worshiping the past, one group is worshiping the future, and we should worship Jesus, right? And to take that even one step further, um, especially like in America and American Christianity Church and all these things we talked about, like one group of people is worshiping the political left, one group Mm -hmm. of people is worshiping the political right, and we're just called to worship and follow Jesus. And that's that's where our motivation for talking about this comes from is that we just want to follow Jesus the best we can. And honestly, if we can bring people along to follow Jesus the best they can with us, like that's, that's the whole thing, man. Yeah. That's the whole thing. A community of people of an ident- group identity that follow Jesus. What's better about being a Christian is that you follow something better. Yeah. You follow something that has hope. That's the freedom, right? It's the the freedom is that you get to do you get to follow what's right. Like yeah. that's the ultimate freedom. Exactly. So, yeah. For sure, man. Sweet dude. Wanna pray us out? Uh yeah. Um uh dear Heavenly Father, we just uh I just thank you so much for just us getting to have this conversation, Lord. And I pray that um as it comes out and people that listen to it, like I don't want this to come off as in a way of like, this is how you should be, be, we're right, this and that. I just, I pray, Lord, that more than anything, people will just come to hear your voice and know you more um, through the things that we've talked about. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, I mean, that just pretty much sums it up, Lord. Just, I pray that we and all that listen and all that we know would just come to follow you, Jesus, harder and harder and get to know you better and grow to be like you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, man, like at the end of the day, the reason we do this is because we're passionate about Jesus and we want to be like him and we want other people to be like him. Right. Because that's the only way the world will change. Yeah, absolutely. The world changes when people are more like him. It's true. He's radical for a reason, but it's the best radical you can be, right? Heck so. yeah, man. All right, dude. <laughs> See you, buddy. See you, buddy. <laughs>